0: Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe.
1: And I'm Brenna.
0: And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805
1: and on the Tecumloops Te Swetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Swetmikulu. And today's text, Love, Victor, is filmed in Atlanta, Georgia, the traditional lands of the Muscogee Creek peoples.
0: Mm-hmm. Brenna, you've been waiting for this forever.
1: Oh my god, I'm so happy we're finally talking about Love, Victor. This is, <laughs> I, I was so good. Oh, we have a guest. We should introduce him before I gush.
0: Yes, of course, because it is Love, Victor, <laughs> we have invited Terry Menard back to chat with us. Hi, Terry.
1: Hello, I'm so
2: excited to be here. I want to I've been closing my eyes and thinking about where I want to be. And <laughs> I ring on your guys's doorbell. What can I say?
0: Aww. Oh, man. Uh, so much <laughs> builds to that final episode. I'm still kind of in awe of what the show has managed to achieve in terms of like setting up storylines that have paid off in just that last final 30 minute block.
1: So many of our problems with the first season have been resolved in the second season. Mm -hmm. And that almost never happens. Normally, they just invent new problems. So Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. I'm really thrilled. You know, all the things that really had us a bit choked about the fact that it ended up as a Hulu series after being conceived as a Disney series. And it had that sort of mismatch. Well, I think they've really gone for it with the non-Disney, maybe, approach to YA media here. I just, it's great. I'm so happy we're talking about it.
0: Do you mean the boys kissing?
1: No, I don't. I mean, like, I mean, like, the parent being put on a psychiatric hold. And I mean, yeah. like, frank discussions of sexuality. And I mean, like, I mean, all of it, right? In season one, we were like, what is it that made this a Hulu show? Well, now, now we get it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's truly and properly a Hulu show now. We have mm-hmm. a parent walking in on their child having sex. Mm-hmm. And it is about
1: sex, it sure is.
2: <laughs> we we get that. We get a bottle of lube, which I never yeah, expected to show up, up on this yep. on this show. And while you know yep. this isn't going in the in the same territory as like elite or euphoria and Loves of sexuality, it is yep. there. It is being discussed and it is being treated naturally as opposed to as opposed to the the kind of material that is based on where Love Simon had no sexuality in it or whatsoever.
0: Yeah. That was some G rated.
2: Yeah, and last season felt the same way. We're going to be about uh, gay sex and gay sexuality and queer sexuality, but we're not going to really explore mm-hmm. it in any meaningful way. And this way, and, and in this season, it's like, no, we're going to kind of shed that Disney Plus moniker. Although I guess this is available in other territories in Disney Plus, which is a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah.
1: In so, Canada, yeah. in fact, Canada yeah. is a place where it's on Disney Plus, which is great for us. Cause...
2: Thanks, America. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Americans have always been a little bit prudish when it comes to sex.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So one of the things that's really different about the second season is that Victor is now fully out, right? Mm-hmm. So that first episode introduces him in a summer bubble, catching everybody up about what happened and where everybody's at. And then the rest of the season is really stuff to do with school problems, stuff to do with relationship problems. And these are all storylines that couldn't be told last year because Victor spent the whole year struggling with his sexuality. So do you think that contributes at all to why the maturity level has been amped up?
1: Definitely. I mean, there's so much more space for the character in many ways, right? Like not just in terms of we get to see the relationship with Benji develop, But we also get to see, you know, other crushes develop and we get the joy of the parents who just don't understand and the trauma of that whole scene. Like there's so much that happens after the coming out. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's kind of a tragedy that so much of YA is really focused on that moment of coming out and not the life after, which is hopefully That's the, the majority <laughs> of life right and yeah, yeah and the hard part the part we need guidance for um so i think that uh yeah there's just so much more space to build and likewise because the first season did so much heavy lifting with creating these background characters almost to a chaotic degree sometimes we get so much more payoff with them this season too mm-hmm
2: yeah, we also, um, I, I do think the season has kind of sanded down some of the more rough edges of season one, too, in terms of character development, where Lake is more than just the kind of snooty, mean kind of girl that's Ooh, somehow yeah. with this group.
1: And Pilar. Pilar's a whole human. It's so nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. But we we get these characters that that feel a little bit of an upgrade to what they were in mm. season one, and some of the edges are are kind of sanded down. But we also get that with even Lake's mom, who was kind of just a complete jerk in the first season. And now she still has that yeah. kind of sarcastic vibe to her, but she is instrumental in one of the season's major kind of subplots uh, with involving Felix. Mm-hmm. And she, you can see that she actually does care as opposed to just being that sort of arch character that she was in the first season.
1: Yeah, it's almost like we don't have any of those one-note characters anymore, right? Andrew's mm-hmm. more complicated. Armando has a little bit of an arc, probably maybe less than some of the other characters. But yeah, the the show is just a lot more interested in the complexity of everyone's relationships and how these characters exist as an ecosystem, really. Like I feel like there's more interaction between the different parents and the different kids and stuff too. Like they're a real community now in a way that they really weren't in season one.
2: Yeah, one of the things mm. that um I, I noticed a lot in this in the season in particular is the way that the parents' drama is more tied into the kid's drama, whereas it felt
0: yes. not to be yes. a pun, yeah. it
2: felt divorced uh, in the first season from, from the kids. T- <laughs> Separated. <laughs> Separated. Really. There you go. <laughs> Separated from the kids drama. It felt
1: consciously uncoupled from the kids' balance. <laughs>
2: There we go. I love this (laughs) Uh, because here the drama between particularly between Isabel and Armando and Isabel and Victor is is based on her staunch religious upbringing as opposed to Mm. it being sort of like separated from the drama in the first season. And I appreciated that it's tying everything together in a more interesting and thematically uh, good way. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: In fact, why don't we start with that? Because to me, that was probably the most meaningful arc of the first half of the season. Like, Mm. I do want to separate out a conversation about Mia and how the show both does do her service, but also completely messes up her storyline in a lot of ways. Mm. But I think Isabel has maybe the single best and most uplifting arc over the course of the season in terms of starting from a place where she can't say the word gay she can't call benji victor's boyfriend she will only say friend in that first episode mm-hmm. and then by the end of the season she has gone to pee and she is basically trying to get the boys back together at mia's dad's wedding ah that's a mouthful
1: <laughs> mm. I, I loved her storyline. I really did, because I felt like it was really honest, like the struggle that she goes through is extremely honest. And Isabel is forced to make this choice, right? The religion that she's been raised in and, and trained in and has believed her whole life, or coming to the defense of her son. And mm-hmm. it's excruciating that that choice isn't easier for her, but I think it's also really authentic. And when she does come through that journey, it's almost like she has her own coming of age storyline. Like it's almost like a YA plotline for moms because she bit, really yeah. does have to kind of reinvent herself after making such a major decision. Uh, and it's super compelling. And she's just really good as an actress. Like, oh, yeah. really good. like, Anna
0: Ortiz <laughs> is just killing this season. Mm -hmm. so terry and i full confession we are also writing about the show so people want to see possibly more lucid conversations (laughs) about how
1: dare how dare (laughs) what is implied by that
0: (laughs) (laughs) let's say uh less bouncing around and maybe a little bit more (laughs) specifically i'm just digging myself in further sure are so terry and i are also writing about the show and one of the conversations that we had specifically about Isabel is that it's the kind of character that we don't often see. Because a lot mm. of the times, especially in YA, when it deals with coming out stories, it's always the mom who's mm-hmm. fine and the mm-hmm. dad who's not because it's a, it's a masculine gendered thing. So to see a mother who... Struggles with this, and then to also introduce religion into that, and then to also introduce class into that. Like, these are unexpected directions I didn't think Love Victor was willing to tackle, and it certainly wasn't willing to tackle in season one.
1: Well, and race, right? Like, that to me, there's a moment when Raheem and Victor are in the dark room together, and Raheem's sort of trying to pull out what's wrong with Victor. And Victor's trying to describe what's going on with his mom, but he's trying to be generous to his mom and also understanding mm-hmm. of how hurt Benji is by everything that's going on. And he's like, but he just doesn't understand. And Raheem's like, oh, because he's white. Yeah. Yeah. And Victor's like, yes, yes, that's yes. exactly it. That there's this whole other dynamic for for brown kids, for kids who are wrapped up in cultural and religious significance, right? And raheem has got this parallel storyline go- going on because his parents are Muslim and he's very nervous about talking to them about his sexuality. I just thought that was exactly what we were asking for when we had this conversation about season mm-hmm. one. And when we got mm-hmm. it, I was fully shocked. I was bowled over because even with everything else that has happened this season, I didn't expect them to go there so explicitly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and even Benji's reaction when Victor says, like, you don't get it because you're white, and Benji, like the white ally none of us want to be, mm-hmm. he recoils and he he gets defensive. Mm-hmm. He tries yeah. to shut it down. He makes himself the victim, and it's like, no, Benji, Victor's 100% right here. Like, mm-hmm. we all saw a table for the dinner where your parents took you out to a bougie restaurant. You are in a different socioeconomic class, and you are white, and your parents are waspy. You do not understand Victor's circumstances here.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, the other thing that uh, is interesting about the, the racial dynamics here is that also, we do, we do see Raheem, as you mentioned, struggling with trying to tell his parents about that he is gay, just in the same way that Victor was struggling last season. But by the end of the season, he does tell his parents, and they're basically like, mm-hmm. you're telling us now, thankfully because so we ex- we found out <laughs> about this you know a bit a while ago
1: <laughs> I loved it. I loved that. Just the idea of these two parents just sort of like patiently waiting mm-hmm. for their son to work up the nerve to have the conversation. Oh, God, mm-hmm. <laughs> makes me tear up. I love it. Well, and it was
2: established throughout the entire season, you know, they also are like Victor's mom, very religious, very um, yeah. conservative. And so he was afraid of that. And so then we, we see that kind of subversion of that expectation that it's going to be a similar drama that, that Victor has. And no, they mm-hmm. have known for a while and are just as accepting. And that was a, a just a a great little moment i thought
0: well it's a great touch because it makes sure that people watching don't mistakenly believe that the show's coming down like Mm -hmm. oh well obviously if your parents are religious it's going to be an issue to come out to them like Mm -hmm. every story is going to be unique and everybody has to find their path but like religion doesn't have to be the barrier race doesn't have to be the barrier the show's overarching message is of course one of love and acceptance and finding community it's why we get to kick simon spears to the curb by the end hallelujah oh my god please let him never
1: come back again i'm so do not haunt season three simon spears
0: (laughs) i mean we loved you in the film but honestly fine it really felt like in certain ways the show was saying okay we've not only figured ourselves out but we are now comfortable divorcing ourselves from the source material Mm -hmm. because we can tell these complicated stories. But also these stories are unique to these characters. They're not stand-ins for every queer experience. They're not the stand-in for every queer experience of a person of color. And that is really refreshing.
2: Before we do get too far away, though, I did want to touch a little bit on Isabel. Uh, One thing in particular that really stood out to me as I was writing down my notes for for this recording was the way that her acceptance of of Victor and her finally leaving the the kind of bigoted church aspect of it and finding another one is rooted in family, and family has been very important to her Mm -hmm. both seasons. And even in this season, when she was still struggling with Victor's sexuality, she was telling him, you know, early on in the season, she was saying, I I don't want you to get hurt at school because people can be mean. And then there's this other thing about Adrian, her youngest, where she's like, I don't want Adrian to know, he's too, he's just a little kid, he's not ready for that. And then the moment that he finds out about it, and he's like, oh, it's just like SpongeBob. And then his biggest question (laughs) is why, if Victor is gay, why was he with Mia? And she sees this, and then she sees that, that Adrian is told by the priest, you know, she attacks him and says, you told Adrian the victor who he loves more than anyone in the world is going to hell. And it's that moment where it's like her, her kids, the people that she's been trying to protect, she realizes don't need to be protected from her or from mm-hmm. Victor's sexuality, but from other people. And that is the point yeah. that allows her to solidify her feelings on the sexuality and eventually leave that church for another one. And I thought that's, that's interesting because it's, all, it's character development as well as being tied to her, well, her character hmm.
0: And I like that it isn't, oh, I can't be religious anymore. Yeah. I can't have faith anymore. It's I need to find a faith that treats me like a community and will accept the members of my family. I'm
2: not giving up on God. I'm giving up on you. Yeah. Is the oh, line. it's such a good line.
1: <laughs> and there's such a good scene that follows up, right? at the beginning of the next episode, Isabel is dying to tell Victor what's happened, right? And Mm -hmm. she's like, she's like, I fired the priest. And she (laughs) she so desperately wants Victor's approval in that moment. It's this really lovely turnabout, right? Because Victor has spent the whole season seeking her approval. And in this moment, what she's seeking is his approval so desperately. And of course, at that moment, he's too wrapped up with his drama with Benji to even, for it to even register. It's just this lovely moment of, her sort of regressing almost into like this adolescent who needs the approval of Victor to like becoming mom again when she realizes that like it's actually not about that right now. Mm -hmm. I I just the complexity in her character and the ways in which she navigates a really difficult storyline to remain so likeable is not the right word because I wanted to strangle Hmm. her about midway through the first half of the season. But yeah, I guess empathy. I had empathy for her all the way through, even when I was really, really angry.
0: Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Sorry, I I was so quick to jump in there because I was like, yes. (laughs) Because I spent the first probably six or seven episodes hissing at pretty much everything that came out of her mouth Mm because you could tell what she was trying to do. She, She wanted to be supportive, she just couldn't find the way. And she just kept getting it so horribly wrong in such damaging ways. And I've had conversations with Trace about our coming out process. And like, he vividly remembers his mom saying something off the cuff, and he carries it around to this day. And unfortunately, that's what happens to queer people, particularly when it comes to our coming out if it doesn't go well with our parents, like, we carry around words like trauma. And all I could think about was, like, how damaging some of these responses that she was giving Victor are. And again, that rang really, really true. But you're right, Brenna. Like, we, we don't lose empathy for her. And to a certain extent, Victor doesn't either. And I think that's what makes... The struggle beating into the back half of the season so compelling is because it's not just him and Benji are having problems like we might see on a YA show. It's that Victor isn't ready to let go of his mum even though Mm. she is hurting him and it's hard and it's ruining his relationship. It's complicated and messy.
1: Well and Benji's very comfortable living in a really almost like a really divided identity, right? Like he doesn't need his parents to be part of his friendship circles. And he and he has his own secrets, right? We find out about his, his alcoholism as the season progresses, but like Benji's world is divided up, right? Yeah. His mom is in this corner and Victor is in this corner and they don't need to occupy the same space for him to be happy. But that's not how Victor's wired, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. Victor has to be able to sit down at a dinner table with Benji and his mom in order to feel any sense of fulfillment. And part of, the drama of the season is that Benji really doesn't get it, right? Like Benji wants Victor to walk away from his mom, and that's just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, Terry and I took to calling Benji Prince Charming in our written (laughs) reviews, because (laughs) he is so much like a Disney prince in the way that his life is uncomplicated. And while I do appreciate that they do try to flesh him out and give him more like, I think we're actually going to get to see a lot more of his struggle and what is going on beneath the perfect hair and the, you know, very poised look if the show gets a season three. But in the first half of the season, particularly, he really just seems like, oh, I just walk through life. The worst issue for Benji is that he has to be a cheer boyfriend when Victor is on Mm. the basketball team.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, and can we talk about that alcoholism? subplot storyline, not even a subplot reference, because I don't, I hope you're right. I hope it gets fleshed out in season three, because for me, it's the piece of the season that works the least well. Uh, Like, we've seen Benji in all these different situations with alcohol, and we've never encountered any kind of backstory or struggle, emotional narrative, anything. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of gets dropped on us. And he's like, oh, well, I just fake drink at those events. And it kind of felt to me like, we gotta do something to make Benji more complicated. (laughs) Let's do this, we'll kind of shoehorn it in, and we'll hope nobody asks too many questions about it. And we won't resolve anything with it. And that'll be that. Because I I just think, I think that's exactly what's happened, right? Is that he's not a particularly complex character compared to literally everyone (laughs) else in the cast at this point.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with that. It does feel like, okay, we need to give this character a little bit more. One of my things that I'm interested in is speculating about where the show could go. And I think that a lot of what the finale is doing very successfully is wrapping up this season's storylines, but also really setting in motion new storylines, particularly for Benji, because I don't think it's his door that Victor is at, and Lake, who, I mean, I have lots of thoughts and questions about what they're thinking of doing with Lake, But I can't help but wonder if the AA stuff in season two, which is a callback to season one, because we'll remember when they go on that trip, uh, that's when we learn about Benji's car accident. And it seems he factors it in as something that did change his life. So it does feel like they are paying things off. They maybe didn't plan it quite successfully. Like, I think Mm. they're retroactively building this out. My concern is that in season three, what we're going to end up getting is a spiral. Benji on his own and spiraling into addiction.
1: Yeah, because mm, actually one of the things I liked the best is that he has a support network. When Victor goes searching for him, searches super hard, finds him at his house, um, <laughs> and, and he's there with his sponsor. And it's like, oh, yeah, Benji actually like, has ways of being in the world that are separate from his existence with Victor. And I think that's really important. I mm-hmm. hope it's not a super cliched storyline going forward. Yeah. But I'm glad to hear that you think that he's not at Benji's door, because I was waiting for us to get there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're talking about his his support network. And that was one of the things I actually really liked in the earlier parts of this, this season, because I, I feel like the creators sat down and, and were like, okay, so what are issues that a gay teen has to deal with changing in the locker room one Mm -hmm. and then this other one about not being gay enough for queer friends but not being straight enough for the team
0: Mm. oh yes 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 yes
2: because uh what i like about victor is that he is not the kind of traditional uh effeminate gay character that he is he is he's himself he's he's a jock and he he does kind of navigate two different worlds and then there's that problem of him You know, we see Benji's friends and his his own support network who are very confident in their sexuality and very, you know, different from what uh, Victor is. And yet he Mm. feels he's not living up to being as queer as them. And that is something Mm. that, uh, I mean, I I personally can attest that has been like an issue for for me where it's like I I don't fit in. I remember going out to brunch one time and some one of the people that we were with finding out that I was gay and, and seemed really shocked by it because I didn't fit that traditional narrative. Yeah, and so there's that that constant conflict that I appreciate that this season it, it, it attacked in that in that one episode in particular.
0: Yeah, and I especially love that it comes out of the mouth of Andrew, where he's trying to be a good ally and saying again, not unlike Isabel, things that he thinks are helpful to Victor, but really he's actually just making the situation worse. Mm. And it's so telling that. We have these two different depictions, like Benji is the kind of punk rocker where you might say, Oh, well, you you barely seem gay, except you've got perfect hair. And then Victor is a little bit, you know, more sensitive and more caring, the kind of traditional things that we associate with queerness via Hollywood media. But he's a jock, so he's got that going for him. And then those discussions foreshadow and anticipate the introduction of Raheem in episode six, and he is very much. What we are used to getting in things like the bird cage and my best friend's wedding, except that the show immediately makes strides to say, no, Raheem is not that either. He's far more complicated than that. So I love that the show has given us three different kinds of models of what queerness can look like. Could do with a little bit more female representation on this spectrum, but, uh, you know, baby steps for season two.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I'd also like, okay. Since we're talking about Raheem, I did like they introduced him and he definitely is, as you said, Joe, the the more kind of Hollywood or I'm using this in quotations, traditional expression of, of gayness where he's more effeminate, he's fashion forward, he's quippy, he wears, you know, St. Laurent. <laughs> well, by leaning into these tropes they actually end up subverting them in, in particular ways and i'm thinking again of this like i i feel like there's this list of themes that they wanted to address and one of them is the mask for mass culture that permeates within the gay community in particular yeah where raheem is is chatting with some guy named charlie through that app and we all it's grinder we know it's grinder <laughs> we don't have rights to say it <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's chatting with this boy and and Victor's trying to be helpful. And he's like, yeah, have him come over here. And he shows up and immediately the Charlie is put off because, because Raheem is more effeminate and not that masculine perspective that Charlie is, is looking for. And so he's immediately turned off and he wants to leave. And so we get that character, but then we also see the flip side of things where there is a subset of gay culture that is very much, I want, I want my my boys to be white. I want them to be straight acting mm-hmm. and I don't want them to be fat, you know? So there is that aspect of it that is being addressed within a very small scene, but with, this, with, but with Raheem that makes him feel a bit more complicated and more interesting than just that kind of token quippy gay character. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because I think this does bring us back to discussions of the original Love, Simon. Like, Both of these projects ended up casting straight actors in their lead roles. But when you look at Nick Robinson... He is very much the definition of, okay, he is good looking, Mm. he's fashionable but not too fashionable, he's sporty but not too sporty, he's white and corn fed and affluent, like he is very much the digestible, acceptable, non-threatening version of a queer teenager mm-hmm. like Brenna we talked about this last week when we talked about the miseducation of Cameron Post right yeah. like he's the fem, he's the male version of Chloe Grace Moretz
1: yeah I was gonna say though in episode 10 he looks like somebody has like I don't know gone over him with a lawnmower he looks rough in episode he looks 10.
0: rough I'm not sure what's happening to Nick Robinson maybe it's a uh, fallout from his uh, <laughs> his work as a high school boy who sleeps with his teacher on a <laughs> on that, uh, teacher show
1: I don't get the reference, Joe. I'm sorry. Why am I even oh, it's here? a show called A uh,
0: Teacher <laughs> where he sleeps with his with a faculty member. So.
1: Oh. Well.
0: Yeah. Okay. I debated asking us to cover it, and then I was like, no, we don't need to do this. No. <laughs> but yes, to, to circle back to what you said, Terry, there's a lot of scenes like that one in the second season where they're doing surprisingly heavy lifting with only a little bit of screen time and... <sighs> I don't want to come down on the show, but so much of what Love, Victor does well is actually very traditional YA teen fare. Like, mm-hmm. it's not breaking a ton of new ground, but the way that it is presenting and putting queer characters front and center immediately radicalizes and revitalizes the genre. So it can tell old stories through the perspective of people that we would just never see. Like, we weren't seeing a person of color queer boy getting to tell a story like this like love victor is breaking new ground and it's so weird to have to say that in 2021 yeah, yeah.
1: well it's interesting because ultimately there are basically two plot lines on the show there are romances getting together and breaking up mm-hmm. and there are misunderstandings or uh, sort of fractures with parents Like, those are the two (laughs) kinds of stories that all of the characters go through. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet, you're right, by virtue of the fact that the cast is more diverse, by virtue of the fact that the romances are not exclusively straight, by virtue of the fact that these family fractures are happening around issues of culture and religion and mental health. You know, when we talk about wanting diverse stories, it's not because... Having the same story with a different colored character is all that different. It's because when you allow those diverse experiences of the same basic plot arcs to be authentic, then you do get new ground, new storytelling, a perspectives you haven't seen before. And that's what is exciting and interesting about Love, Victor, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's just so darn good—it's so telling good. These stories, right? Like oh, folks, I binged I cried like eight episodes.
1: Oh my god! And like I do not have the kind of life where binging happens typically, but I was like, oh.
0: I'm gonna need that next episode. Yes. Yeah. Thank so God badly. we didn't have to watch this weekly.
2: <laughs> oh, I
1: know. <laughs> I know. I know.
2: I <laughs> know. Joe, you said that you you cried um, in this season. So mm, many times.
0: So so many times. I got
2: so choked up. I there there were moments that I just. I was like this is this is what i need to see this is what we need to see right now and it was like a balm on the soul as well as being Mm -hmm. just gosh so emotional at times i just i Mm -hmm. i love these weird nerds i just love them so much
1: (laughs) there is one moment where lake is like wow you are all such weird nerds and it's like yeah lake get with the program all your friends are weird nerds (laughs) and we're here for it
0: (laughs) yeah Okay, so Brenna, you opened the door when you talked about narratives with parents and specifically Mm. dealing with mental illness. So shall we tackle Felix's storyline with his mother? Because again, we knew that this was coming because it's teased in season one. But here we've actually got an actress in Betsy Brandt, who is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And this, I did not expect an institutionalized 72-hour lockdown element in this storyline.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so there's a moment. Ooh. So this is my plot line from the show. Like, I will say this is the one that resonated with me the most, um, which makes me such a stereotypical, like, white oh my gosh, straight so lady, white lady mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the straight romance and the mom storyline are the ones that get me. But, like, there's something about the lost puppy dogness of Felix and oh, yes. how difficult it is for him to trust and to seek help and the like the absolute emotional shattering of feeling like Lake has betrayed him mm-hmm. and there's that moment where oh see i get a tear up talking about it there's the moment where he shows up at victor's oh. doorstep and pilar Oof. answers the door oh, it and the social me. workers with him and he says i need a place to stay and then he just yeah. dissolves Oof. and he just like it's interesting because we talked last time about how Felix's character in season one feels totally extraneous most of the time. Yeah. And we didn't get a lot of development. And I was <laughs> like, I think I think there's something there because he had this whole <laughs> hoarding storyline that like it got not teased enough and was not dealt with properly in season one at all. But God, no. the payoff in this season for like sitting through 10 episodes <laughs> with Felix where you're confused as to why he's in the room. The payoff this season is just so intense because for me, there are so many just gut-wrenching emotional moments and i also think that that scene is really critical for victor's relationship with isabel because Mm -hmm. he's still really angry with her and he's still feeling really betrayed and he sees the way she is present for his friend and it's another moment of kind of melting that when benji goes after her again like very closely after that scene yeah you understand exactly why victor still jumps to her defense even after all the hurt that she's causing him and that's what I mean about that interweaving and that community of the characters. Like you finally kind of understand this season why they're all there.
2: Yeah. And Anthony Trapel's performance in that in that moment, oh by the my way. God. Ooh, that's one that I got choked up on. I like got teary eyed yeah. because it's just you could see all of the weight that's on his shoulders and that he's been carrying for a season and a couple episodes, like you can see that weight just sort of oh finally crush on him and the way his face just sort of melts oh, when he's like so finally, ugh. it's like, oh my God, that moment just got me so hard.
1: <laughs> that actor doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. Uh, I want to see what he does next. I'm like dying to know what he does next. Cause I suddenly see all this range and, and mm-hmm. the capacity in him. Like he has a bunch of really great moments this season the way he and Lake negotiate sexuality in their relationship, I thought was really strong for him as well. Like, that's a hard plot line for a straight boy to come off well in, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but he does. Um, I just think in many ways he he surprised me this season.
0: Oh, absolutely. I didn't think that Anthony Turpel had this kind of performance in him. I could very clearly see that he was great at playing comedic relief in season one, Mm the same with Lake. And I think that season two really just allows both actors to show us what they're capable of because they've now got the material that gave them the range. Like I'm fully in agreement with both of you. The scene where he comes to Victor's house is fantastic. I will say that the scene in the aquarium and the events mm. kind of like circling mm. around that when Lake tries to set a perfect date because it's such a Lake thing to do mm. that she would think a perfect date could solve their issues when he blames her for what has happened to his mom after she gets sent away. An
2: anglerfish, Joe. An anglerfish plush. I mean...
0: Uh. <laughs> right. A perfect date and a plush toy for a teenage boy. Got it. But I... Again, I I feel like I just keep saying this, and clearly I underestimated what the show was capable of delivering, but I didn't expect the complexity. I was so in agreement with Lake, but I think she went about it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. But I was also really feeling sorry for her because she did what she had to do. And I love that we do get that scene later on where now I can't remember who it is who dresses him down. Is it? Oh, it's his mom. It's his mom. Yeah.
1: yeah. When his mom says that she'll always, you know, well, I love that scene too, because the mom is like, I'm not going to step into your romantic situation. Whatever happens there is what happens. But I will always be grateful Mm. to Lake. And it's like, Mm -hmm. what a sensible way of approaching that conversation. (laughs) Holy crap. Right?
0: (laughs) But I love that the show made us feel that both parties were in the wrong, and yet they Mm -hmm. were also simultaneously right. Lake did what she had to do, she just maybe didn't do it in the best way possible, and then Felix shouldn't have reacted the same way because he knew knew in Mm -hmm. his heart that Mm -hmm. this wasn't working out, and no child should be a caregiver to their parents, not when they're a teenager at least. But at the same time, he is right to feel betrayed because of what happens, because Lake so clearly doesn't understand what would happen if she told. And I love that. Like, I I don't know of another YA property that dealt with these kinds of issues in such an approachable and reasoned, but also murky and messy kind of way.
1: I also think it's interesting the way they approach, like the dynamic between Lake and Felix starts off in season one as being about the dorky guy and the impossibly hot girl and how Mm -hmm. did they end up together. So gossip girl. Well, yeah. And it's that whole thing of like, you know, as he says, he's like, I I would do anything for you. I'd do anything for your happiness. I would do anything to be in the same room as you. And mm-hmm. then he realizes, right, that actually he needs things too. And he has feelings too. And yeah. like his experiences matter too. And I don't know, the way they navigate that I thought was really lovely because so many YA texts really idealize yeah. that approach to to masculinity, right? It's their way of making boys sort of nice and harmless is to make them not have like needs or like wants or like happiness of their own. Oh, sure. And to and to say it out loud to Lake in that way, I thought was really powerful.
2: Mm-hmm. And this might be a nerdy thing to say, but I also, I, I made a joke about the anglerfish plush, but it also is a very interesting visual thematic device because in the anglerfish life cycle, The male uh, basically attaches onto the female and becomes basically a sperm donor and then dies eventually once he... Once once (laughs) she gets pregnant. So it's, this is their relationship where throughout the first season and up until this point, he is Mm -hmm. that kind of male anglerfish that is like, he says, as you said, I want to do everything for you. I want to basically be a parasite attached to your side and give you everything you need. And then my needs don't matter because I'm eventually going to fall off and die just like the anglerfish. And so it's a, it's an interesting visual motif that they don't even really like they don't spell it out they don't talk about it too much they just sort of bring it up address it briefly and that's that but for those that are maybe for a those deep in the sea know. creature like lover like i am it was like a oh this is kind of funny and an interesting little thematic device
0: <laughs> they did the research
2: they did and i love it
0: okay we've been gushing over all the things that the show is doing well and now i need to talk about mia because uh, yeah. I was yeah. so excited for what the show appeared to be doing with Mia in the first couple of episodes. I love the idea that she had run away from her problems. She couldn't deal with the fallout from Victor. She was also getting away from her dad's marriage. And it seemed like we were going to have this really interesting storyline about how Mia negotiates what her place is in the group and maybe her being alone or her going after this older boy at college. And then By the time we get to the American Pie episode, which is how I'm referring to it, because that Sex Cabin episode is just honestly, that to me is the worst episode of the season because it's so tropey and there's nothing innovative about it. I was just like, all these characters are acting stupid. But Mia does get that great moment where she dumps the college boyfriend. And I was like, cool, Mia by herself. And then literally she's back together with Andrew. Mm. They're soulmates. They're saying, I love you to each other and then this nonsense thing with her dad. Folks, okay, can I interject? What is happening?
1: <laughs> I know that this is a really Brenna thing to pick at, but that is not how college presidents are selected.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely not. You don't no, no, retire
1: no. and then call your friend and be like, "I'm retiring being college president at Stanford. Did you want to be college president at Stanford for a bit?" Mm-hmm. And then you say like, "Yeah." That's not that's not how that happens. Maybe in
0: the 70s, if you're white.
1: <laughs> you don't accidentally become a college president. Like, there's a series of, like, headhunting, and then there's, like, interviews. Oh, okay. Okay, just, okay. It was very frustrating because <laughs> so much pivots on this idea that some rando can call you up and be like, come be the president of Stanford.
0: Yeah. They did their homework with the Anglo-Fish, but they did not do it with the university presidency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to the point at hand. Terry, I go to you since Brenna clearly cannot be trusted.
1: <laughs> I have a whole thing about provosts if anybody wants to hear it.
0: <laughs> Brenna, keep that to the day job. Come on.
2: I don't even know what we're talking about now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do we think <laughs> of Colleges,
1: hiring structures. <laughs> oh, okay,
2: well, I, my problem with the hiring structure. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, Yeah, Mia. I loved her introduction this season or reintroduction this season. Again, Rachel Hilson is is turning in really strong performances in the beginning of this yes. of this season. Where I love the the opening scene or the the, the end of the scene of the first episode where she is I'm going to go try to be with them when they're mm. at their the campfire. She shows up, she sees them, and they've coupled up, and she is alone. And it just further emphasizes uh-huh. the fact breaks that breaks her heart, right? And so I love that. But then you're absolutely right; they don't really do too much with her character, unfortunately. And it's it's such a shame that I actually thought once this. Maybe unrealistic side plot about her her father getting this job at Stanford.
1: Unacceptable.
2: <laughs> I thought they were going to write her off the show. Like I thought that was yeah. the point of this: is to like we cast her aside. She was Victor's love interest. She no longer has a point in this season. Maybe Hilson mm-hmm. was getting you know other jobs. Like it felt like they were writing her off. So at that point, I was like, okay, well she's gone and she's not going to be involved anymore. So I did appreciate by the end of the season that she's actually going to get a little bit of agency in terms of maybe finding her mom and figuring out Mm. why her mom abandoned her because that has been a source of trauma for her for so much of her life so i appreciate the ending of this season and the beginning of this season for her but everything else (laughs) in between you're absolutely right is a waste of of her talent to be perfectly honest
1: i honestly think they are using her to soften andrew and it Yes, oh, I don't like that. That's he not. He becomes
2: good. the
0: new Prince Charming oh. of the mm-hmm. season.
2: I'll tell you, I was, I honestly was rolling my eyes every time he would kind of come around because he, he's he's very tall and lanky, and he'd always have his hands in his pockets, and he'd come around like dispensing wisdom and 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 being <laughs> like basically the perfect person, saying the perfect thing at the perfect mm-hmm. moment. And I was like, okay, you're annoying.
0: <laughs> it's a bit much. It is. And,
2: It's hard because Mason Gooding,
0: I mean, I'm just going to say this, he is incredibly attractive and very charismatic. Oh, absolutely. Everyone on this show is, as we've talked about, model Mm. gorgeous and beautiful. But it particularly feels almost on the nose to then have this just fantastically attractive person Also be the kindest, most gentle, most caring, most supportive. Yes, I'll drive you to your mom. I'll stand up to your dad in a completely unrealistic way at his own wedding.
1: Sure. (laughs) Yes. Well, it also makes no sense with last season, right? And there's this moment. I felt like I was having a fever dream until this moment in that cabin episode when Felix gets the condom advice from... Andrew, and mm-hmm. he comes outside and he turns to simon and he's like i know we all hate andrew but and i was like yeah i thought you all hated andrew
0: what's <laughs> yeah. happening when did this change like did this the perfect symbol bubble episode did not do a good enough job of clarifying why we suddenly like andrew
1: no not at all
0: <laughs> uh Someone I do like is Pilar.
1: Mm. Oh, and you hated
0: her in season one. Well, because she was, she was like a Felix, right? What the heck was was she doing there? Her storyline was pouting and that is not enough for 10 episodes. But I like where this is going, folks. Mm -hmm. I will confess, I would have still liked more of her. And again, maybe that's just partially because I like Isabella Ferreira. I think she's doing a really great job, and I worried that they were siloing her, because it seemed like she only ever interacted with Victor and Felix this season, but I guess she's going to be Felix's girlfriend moving forward, hmm. so all of a sudden there's lots of interesting new storylines to
1: explore. I'm so excited for that, I'm so excited, I squealed <laughs> when he found the Swedish fish and his- I squealed. That's
0: so sweet. Mm-hmm. But so unexpected, right? Yeah. I really thought, okay, we're, we're going to get the band back together. We're going to have Victor and Benji. We all knew that they were going to come to a misunderstanding at the wedding. And I 100% was like, well, Felix and Lake are going to be endgame. And they probably still are. But it's clear that the creative team is more interested in hopefully finding out who some of these characters are. Like, Honestly, I'd like to see some of these characters single for a little bit. Because who are they when they're not coupled up could be really fascinating. And yet the show hasn't ever allowed us to see anyone not in a
2: relationship. That's a good point. I do think this season is going along with that has moved at a, at a very breakneck speed where Oh, yeah. Some plots are introduced and then taken care of in the in the same episode, and some are introduced and then maybe taken care of a few episodes later. But mm-hmm. because of that that speed, you're absolutely right. We have not gotten any alone time with any of these characters of just being with themselves. And even Mia, once she was alone, she her character was. ...virtually not even existent in in the drama of the situation because she wasn't coupled with anyone. So, yeah, yeah, that is that is
0: Her one single episode, she basically has that conversation with Lucy, breaks up Lucy and Andrew, (laughs) and then starts dating Andrew literally that episode.
1: Uh. I will say, though, that if we're right about the cliffhanger... If we really do end this season and Felix is now with Pilar and Victor is now with Raheem, it does subvert a trope that our listeners have written in to us about, Joe, for not noticing on more than one occasion, which is so often in YA, it's the the white protagonist or the white relationship that gets Mm, endgame. That is true. So the fact that Victor has potentially not chosen Benji, but has chosen Rahim and will have a a mixed race relationship where neither character is white, the fact that Felix is turning away from Lake and turning towards Pilar, that's Mm. another thing that most Mm -hmm. YA doesn't dare to do.
0: This is true and i'm not gonna lie i'm totally happy with both of those potential relationships because i think the actors have really good chemistry like better Mm -hmm. than with their original partners
1: i love felix and pilar together because i don't know there's just so much genuine care there Mm -hmm. and i i don't want to take anything away from the decision lake makes i think it's the only decision she can make under the circumstances But there's something really telling about how much Pilar knows about Felix's mom, whereas I think the only thing Lake knows about Felix's mom is that she's unwell, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And- this thing can be said with Raheem, right? Where Mm. there's a potential danger that he idolizes Victor. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the reasons why he finds him attractive. I'm also not the biggest fan of people being like, I'm gay and you're gay. And therefore we have to date because there's no other options, which is sometimes what happens in these shows. But I think that Raheem sees a different side of Victor and already the experiences that they're sharing are very different from what, We have seen a Benji, which is very kind of stock and standard, if we're being honest. like Raheem makes immediate effort to give Victor something new and different because he sees that that's what Victor needs. Whereas Benji is very much like, come to my rock show.
1: There's one thing that I noticed this season, and I think I noticed it because you and I just read Camp, Joe. Mm-hmm. And that is that my wish for for Love Victor season 3 is a larger queer community of friendship mm-hmm. for all of these characters. Mm-hmm. Like I hope Lucy I th- kind of think Lucy's going to come out. Like I think we're going to find out Lucy's bi oh, next season. Yes,
0: Brenna. Yeah. <laughs> that is,
1: is what that, that, that not...
0: seed is.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I didn't know. A Lake and Lucy. She's
0: either bisexual or pansexual and I am here for it because we don't have any queer female representation on the
2: show. And I think It's going to be an exploration with, Lake. I think that's going to be fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm excited. Interesting.
2: Which I think could be dicey.
0: Brenna will not get this reference, but we have gone down this path in the OC and it lasted all of three episodes. But, um, you know, Olivia Wilde isn't anywhere nearby, so we should be okay.
1: It's just the power of the queer community of friends that we see in camp is really the only element I think that's now missing from the show. The show got really bold in some of the actually some of the very same ways that we were praising camp for being really bold. But what's missing Mm -hmm. is still, yeah, like. Literally, Simon needs to know one queer person (laughs) other than Simon Spear, who he's not pursuing a relationship with. Like, that would be that would be a new place for the show to go.
0: I love that you keep interchanging Victor and Simon. It's very funny to me. (laughs) I can't
1: (laughs) tell them apart.
0: (laughs) No, but you're right. Because I I think that the show worries that if it's not about romantic entanglements, then it's not interesting enough. Mm -hmm. And I would love for them to try to explore what does friendship look like? What Mm -hmm. does single spaces look like? You know, we've spent 20 episodes with these characters. We love and know them, but also only under romantic circumstances. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of a character who... What do we know of them apart from their romantic interest in another character? And it's like, nothing. And that's a dangerous way to define anybody, even on a show that is explicitly interested in talking about sexuality. I'm
2: hopeful that we will get more of that because I I do think over the last two seasons it has introduced queer friendships and and the importance of them because I'm thinking in particular back in season 1 when Victor does go to New York Yeah,
0: the New York scene. Right. We see
2: we see Simon with his boyfriend but also with a smattering of other queer characters that mm-hmm. aren't the the traditional just gay man character. And then yeah. we also get um a kind of Companion scene this season where Victor and Raheem go to the to the queer bar to the gay bar oh, yeah. and Raheem sees what it would be like to be around a bunch of gay people because he doesn't mm-hmm. get that. I'm hoping because the, the the show has done a good job of introducing these things only to pay them off later. And so I'm hopeful yeah. that we're seeing the start of that and that maybe season three will be a little bit more adventurous because we've, we've tackled the coming out story. We've tackled the sort of uh YA first teen alive. romance, first love storyline. Now let's, let's get a little bit further into the queer community. Let's, let's introduce some trans Characters, let's introduce you know a Ooh. little bit more variety than just the the gay man character that we've seen so far. Yeah. So I'm I'm hopeful mm-hmm. that we will start to see that because they have kind of peppered that throughout the season seasons. Yeah.
0: I think that would be great, and it it does seem like a logical direction for the show to go in. I think it'll really be interesting to see how immersed do they want to get mm. in the queer community versus how strictly do they want to stay within the YA pools? Because yeah. one is far shallower than the other, unfortunately. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, at the end of the day, this is a, a sitcom. I mean, it's a 30 minute, you know, comedy. This isn't a drama. So I, I do think that they are operating in that in that sort of, we need to introduce mm-hmm. a story, get it solved within that episode so that we can move on to the next story. That seems to be, to a certain degree, what, what Love Victor has been staying in. So I don't think we're going to see it stretch much further than that, but I would like to see them add additional side characters. hmm
0: Yeah. And hopefully handled with the same kind of care that we've seen this season, where it's not just like, oh, here's our new friend. Mm-hmm. They're trans and non-binary. And it's like, cool. Why are you here? Do you have a storyline? Are you going to get to do anything? Even with Raheem, I experienced some initial trepidation when the character was first introduced because I thought this character is literally getting an episode named after them, and then they (laughs) disappear in the back half of it. And I just thought, oh, are we only just introducing this character to elevate Victor to his own platform so that we can get rid of Simon? And I was happy with the way that they established Raheem. I mean, I want that character back as a series regular and not just a guest star next season.
2: I was thinking, what about a spinoff show, Sincerely Raheem, with him and Pilar working at that? wherever they're working that restaurant they're working
1: (laughs) maybe
0: like a web series there you go
1: would absolutely watch
0: yeah oh those two also have great chemistry
2: they do
1: they do they're adorable (laughs) together okay
0: well do we want to play a quick round of ya bingo for love victor season two
1: yes we do bingo not a good bingo
0: Okay. Oh, can so I go first? Terry, no, Terry is the guest, <laughs> so he will go first. No! <laughs> so remember, Terry, you don't have to try to get as many as you can think of, but give us a
2: couple. That's my job. Okay, I'm going to say, first of all, I'm going to say that Benji is a manic pixie dream person. Ooh, nice. It was once we were introduced to Raheem that I was thinking about how kind of, vapid he is and then he's basically just there to be that sort of he's a rocker and he's the mm-hmm. safe kind of queer and he's very handsome traditionally handsome and has the perfect hair like i was just i that kind of jumped out at me i also right. think stunt casting i mean we we do get simon's father showing up i forget who plays him oh josh jo- yes he shows up in an episode and i was like oh there we go so we got a little bit of stunt casting there
1: Oh my God, I did not make that connection. Did not realize that was Simon's. <laughs> did death. you not Sorry. realize? <laughs> I absolutely did not.
2: You were just like, oh, who's that random
0: dude at P Flag who only shows up for one episode?
1: <laughs> I was today years old when I was like.
0: <laughs> See, whereas for me, I was like, oh my gosh, they've got Julie Benz and Betsy Brand in this season. I, I have a different level of stunt casting, I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, we got good friendships, obviously. I do think there's a lot of really good friendships on this uh, this show. Hmm. brenna do you want to jump in
1: yes road trip for the very end oh, of yeah. episode 10
0: oh yes
2: okay perfect
1: date for the aquarium scene even if it fails it was an attempted perfect date
0: and you could argue that benji and victor's campsite uh kissing moments in the oh, first yeah. episode is pretty good too oh
2: yeah, and there's also true. the the uh the, the road trip as well with uh this to the sex cabin oh, right, right. That's yeah right. that's a good point. yeah
1: and speaking of sex cabins, um, I want to say Hollow Romance for the college boyfriend. Hey. I'm glad Ugh. he gets kicked to the curb very quickly.
0: That was disappointing because I actually thought—I mean, a—I like that actor, and I thought he was giving a good performance. But to be like, "Oh, I'm
1: taking pictures of my hand." Like, what? What? What are we doing? <laughs> I want to ask about this one. What do you think about ableism?
0: Mm.
1: Not from the show itself. But
0: Lake's reaction to not understanding the consequences of her actions.
1: That and her mom, who I agree is a much more complex character this time around, but there's also such um, disdain in her face in moments when she's sort of looking around the oh, house yeah. and like getting her sense and she basically makes that call to child protective services based on that one visit to the house which Indeed. I don't disagree with the ultimate decision but I th- I think that Lake's mother's motivations are informed by ableism that's mm-hmm. what I want to say yeah for sure I'm gonna add in house horn because mm-hmm. we yes.
0: don't just have Mia's house this season we also have Benji's house
1: oh my god Benji's house and the sex cabin <laughs> And the sex cabin.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is just my grandfather's and my uncle's.
1: (laughs) This is just my grandfather's sex cabin. (laughs) I'm sorry.
0: That thing was a ranch, and I think I've (laughs) seen Hallmark movies that were filmed there. (laughs) I'm also going to add musicality because we do get a musical performance in episode nine, which warmed my cold, dead heart. (laughs) Watching Victor and Raheem sing to each other was like googly love eyes.
1: It was good. It was almost as good as the, um, oh my goodness, what song does Benji sing to Victor in season one? It was almost as good as that.
0: <laughs> and then finally, I'm going to give queer secondary character to Lucy, because a way to <laughs> nice. come out in the final moments <laughs> of the season there, girl.
1: Oh, I forgot that even happened. Oh, yeah. Now I understand why you said what you said before. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah that champagne date was not just a friendly invitation i thought
1: you meant at the table when she was talking to me and i was like i guess but not, i don't really get it anyway it's cool <laughs> suburban mom on the podcast <laughs> <What's up? laughs>
0: Um, and I know I'll suggest it and Brenna will shoot me down, but I would think of a wedding as a holiday climax.
1: Absolutely not! I was going to suggest that too.
0: See, Brenna, your definition of holiday is so strictly (laughs) defined. You're so narrow-minded, lady. Come on.
1: Okay, okay. Just like a prom is not a holiday, a wedding is not a holiday. no. No.
0: Clearly, I think we need to change that square to be more reflective of our lived experiences on this podcast.
1: <laughs> you could call it a big event climax if you want, but those things are not holidays.
0: <laughs> oh, I think that's, uh, that's more or less all I've got,
1: though. Oh, this was so good. Terry, thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for having me. I, it's always a great time. <laughs> um, so Terry if people
0: want to speculate about what season 3 of Love Victor could look like how would they get a hold of you?
2: Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Gaily Dreadful I'm also slightly on Instagram but not there as much so absolutely follow me on on Twitter and tell me what your faves are with uh, Love Victor for sure that's your go Bren.
1: okay I wasn't <laughs> sure you started I was very confused yeah, off my rhythm okay okay <laughs> Joe, Mm -hmm. if they want to speculate with you about season three, how do they find you on Twitter? See that segue? Very nice. I like it. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I am at beast on my remote, and that's the letter B.
1: And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's Gray with an A. You can also find both of us on the hashtag HKHSpod or at HKHSpod. And if you've got something longer for us, please feel free to send it to HKHSpod at gmail.com. Just a quick reminder, the current book club selection is Sherry Demoline's The Marrow Thieves. If you're reading it and reading along with us, please let us know.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are we going to next week for our full-length adaptation?
1: So next week's episode is an Indigenous text. We're looking at Fire Song by Adam Garnett-Jones. I'm really excited about this, Joe, because I know nothing about it, and I'm excited to jump in.
0: And I have seen it. So folks, I'm going to issue a quick content warning that it is similar in theme and content to The Lesser Blessed. So we do have issues of addiction as well as, I believe, suicide. So um, again, if you're feeling sensitive about uh recent political pieces or if that's just not your speed right now, you may think about sitting this one out and revisiting it later.
1: Sounds good. Thanks for the content warning, Joe. Terry, thanks again for taking the time to come on the show. It was so good to talk to you about this fantastic show. Oh, wasn't it a delight. I'm so happy. Oh, it was
2: so good. It's such <laughs> Thank a good night now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen. Bye-bye.